Hey, welcome to another episode of the Murray County Art Podcast. I'm Mike Mitchell. We are so excited that Kristen Danger Sweeting is joining us today. She is a photographer. She is an entrepreneur, entrepreneur who also coaches other entrepreneurs, and she is excited to talk to us about what she's up to living in Columbia and then working in and around Columbia and around the world. So Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, so your byline on your um, your Instagram page talks about and it lists a lot of things that you do. So tell us a little bit about what you're up to in Columbia, Tennessee. Totally. So um, I have been a wedding photographer for a while, so i about 10 we have lost Kristen and um, that's kind of taken me a whole whole bunch of different directions from commercial work to um, to weddings where I kind of landed on doing weddings and destination weddings Um, when I had my son I just like specialized that was my thing Um, and then through kind of and we can get into this whatever but like through um, the arc of my own personal story went through some challenges and was able to come out and wanted to um, pour that back into other struggling artists who were having a hard time or um, hitting roadblocks in their creative business. I think like a lot of artists get into it because they love what they do and they want to share their art with other people. And then you hit this roadblock where you're like, it's really hard to put food on my table and then it's not quite as fun. So I became passionate about helping artists and creatives make a living and help other people and live, you know, meaningful lives. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm really passionate about helping, especially women creatives, um, to create independence through their art. I'm glad that you mentioned that and specifically thinking about women. So in an interview with Sarah Gilliam, I talked to her about photography from my view. So as a as a white male who went to art school in the late 90s, early 2000s, I had great professors that put a lot of people in front of me. And I was really, really excited about who they were showing me because I have friends who had very different experiences and they didn't have as a diverse group of artists put in front of them. And with photography in particular, I feel really lucky. It's one of the few, if not the only art form, when you say photography, the first people that pop into my head are women. And and it's not that when you say sculptors that I can't start naming women. It's not that when you say, I mean, painting or conceptual art. But photography in particular, for me, is very um, weighted towards women who are the practitioners that come to my head first. Is that true for you as well? I think it's starting to shift that way. Definitely, I still think most of the, um, I don't know, superstars in the industry are men, but I do see it shifting. Um, and so that's encouraging. And I think, I think for a while there was this trend of like, if you're a woman and you're a photographer, you're doing it on the side. You're also a stay-at-home mom, which is, like, nothing bad about that, but it was just kind of, like, it almost diminished women who were pursuing photography, um, being like, this is just something you do on the side, instead of saying, like, 
you can be a mom and a woman and a photographer and you can be great at your craft and you can run a successful business and it's not one or the other. Um, I think that's interesting and I've never quite thought about it until you just said it. I think men have side hustles and I think women co-hustle, right? Like you all are hustling as moms, but you're also running full-time businesses. It's not a side hustle, right? It is the, it is the hustle. It just so happens that you also have this expectation of this other hustle that society has always expected of you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like you're supposed to just be able to do both. And, um, and anyway, so that's part of it too, is, is I think for a long time, I've felt like I was trying to prove myself that, um, that like this was my full-time thing and this was something that I was serious about and was wanting to be taken seriously for. Um, so yeah, but I'm glad it feels like energy is shifting around, around women in art, which is exciting. It is exciting as somebody who's in the art education world. It's so great to be able to point young girls, young women to examples of people who feel real to them who might look like them, who might live where they live, who might share ideas that they have, as opposed to, you can do anything you want, and they see prove it, and you're like, well, I'm just telling you you can. Believe me, I'm your teacher, right? Instead of being, and now you can be able to say, oh, well, look at this person, look at this person, look at this person, look at this person, and I think that's a really valuable thing. Can we backtrack a little bit and talk about this shift that you made that I would feel like is a big one is that when you were able to be in your career as a photographer to say, that's it, I'm specializing. I'm not taking every wedding that comes my way. I'm only going to do these kinds of weddings. Yeah. Um, so I think every choice in my business has really come back to um, knowing what I want to be about as a person and prioritizing those things. And what I love so much about photography is that it allows me to connect with people in a really deep way. Um, and I, before, before I was a photographer, I was like um, a teacher and a youth director and a mentor and spent a lot of time helping people. And I love helping people. And so photography was another, um, it was a medium to connect with people in a deep way. And, um, one of the things that can happen when you're a photographer is you go down this path of like, I have to be working and shooting all of the time. I have to be doing everything. I have to take every single gig and I'm barely charging anything for it. And what that does is it really hurts your ability to connect deeply with each client, to connect deeply with your own life. Um, so a lot of photographers that I work with and coach now actually are having to come kind of step back and say, I have spent a lot of my life celebrating other people's lives and have not lived my own life. I've not even experienced deep connection in my own life because I've been so busy capturing other people's lives. Um, so I think when I, when I started to realize that I was on that path, it was like the hustle mentality. It was, feeling like you had to be busy and super booked all the time. I, uh, I scaled it back a bit and did a lot of internal work to say like, what is really important to me? I want to have really deep connections with each of my clients. I want to be a great mom. I want to have deep connections with people I care about. Um, 
And so that really is what forced or, you know, strongly encouraged my um, niching down and charging more and, you know, only doing certain, you know, a small number of weddings each year was that like desire to connect and to be present in my own life. Did your ability, this is a psychological question, but the work that you did on yourself, the scaling back, the ability to have deeper feelings in your own life, did it make you a better photographer? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So the, 100%. so those folks that you were photographing in wherever you were at, they knew more like they knew more sure they were more sure that you were there for them when you were there as opposed to like man she is clicking away she's taking a thousand shots she's going to do the other work later and and edit these things and knowing she's got it and she's moving on to another shoot you know i think i i always was really driven for connection so i think what I was trying to do was to have that same experience with a higher volume of people and it was burning myself out. So they might not have noticed the difference. I totally noticed the difference. Um, and I see the difference in my clients too. Of, I say this a lot, like if you're expecting vulnerability from other people, if you're expecting connection from other people or authenticity or whatever it is you're wanting to get out of your subject, if you're not capable of doing that yourself, it's really hard to bring that out in your subject. And photography is a very vulnerable form of art. You're asking people to let you in on their emotions on their the best days of their lives, sometimes on the worst days of their lives. Um, it's it's transformative. Like art in general is transformative, but but photography allows you to transform at like an even deeper, more personal level. It's more accessible than a lot of forms of art. Um, and so being able to, um, you know, being able to do that yourself is you're modeling it to your subjects, how to do that, how to, how to laugh when you do something awkward or how to just like love yourself, even when you feel like you're doing stupid stuff, you know, like <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of psychological work involved in getting a, the best photo you can get. I was reading an interview that you gave and said, I don't hide behind a perfect brand, That is not something I'm interested in. I'm paraphrasing now. Um, so how do you, when you're both in your own brand, but also in talking with other entrepreneurs, how do you, how do you talk about striking a balance between authenticity and then also that kind of polish or craftsmanship or thing that people need to see to hire you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I still always strive to, to make really beautiful, well-crafted photos. I also like want them to feel like something. Like I want you to look at a photo and feel something from it. Um, and so sometimes that means it's not perfect. Um, and I, you know, I think you can have something that's perfectly imperfect. Like motion blur to me is not a mistake. That's like an intentional choice to create more feeling and more movement. Um, so I, I think it's like, it's leaning into some of the feeling, um, being able to laugh at things and, and yeah. And for me, 
I, I am not going to produce my best art if I'm trying to have this super glossy, perfect brand all the time. If I can't say like, I'm awkward and I'm going to like dance at your wedding reception and we're going to have a great time. Like I'm, I'm not going to produce my best work and I'm not going to enjoy my life as much. So, uh, so yeah, it's definitely a balance because I run a business that works with very high end weddings and I want to present something that's polished and beautiful, but also something that is meaningful. And I think like you have to let some of your guard down to really make that meaningful connection. Um, so yeah, my, my social media brand is way more personal and not as perfect as a lot of people in similar, in a similar space as me. Um, but to me, that's bringing in the people that really want to have a connection with me and with themselves and with the people they love. They, um, they value moments and memories and people over perfection. And so it's doing what I'm hoping, um, to do anyways, which is to create like really timeless, beautiful moments for people. Well, it sounds too like, you know, like it, it isn't just that like the niche of like doing high end weddings is that's the extent of that range. It's like, you're deciding a niche inside of that, right? Like there are, you are going to miss, you're going to miss certain clients because in the high end scale, you're, they're not, you're not, the example of what they're looking for, right? They are looking for that perfect 100%. Like they have the skill, like I'm not in her. I don't care about her kid. I don't care about where she, you know, like they're not looking for that at all. Whereas there are people who have, um, those resources and value what you're going to provide them that are also like, I kind of want to be able to call this gal like two months out and ask if she's got reprints without feeling like she's going to charge me another $10,000. And I bet that she's that kind of like, I can tell she's like normal because she's like posting this Instagram, um, story about the struggle she's having today. Like she's being, you know, like, so I think that's an interesting thing is like it, perfection and vulnerability don't work well together. If you find that it's a tool that you have to have to do what you're doing, you can't also expect perfection, except it seems like that that vulnerability probably does occasion the perfect photograph from time to time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that I get um, photos that to me are perfect because people are letting down their guard. Um, and, and the clients that I work with want to remember how the day was. They want to feel like um, the best version of themselves, but in a real way. Um, and and for me, the way that I'm able to bring that out in my clients is, like you said, is to be real myself, to um, really, you know, I'm, I really try to stick to things that I hold valuable to me and my business, which is like vulnerability, trust like I want people to know that I'm there for them um and sometimes it might not look like the best business move but for me it's the thing that is the truest and so I try as much as I can to stick to what's true and I think that's what what art is is like um and I'm gonna like butcher this quote because I don't really know where it came from but it's like art is telling the truth you know it's telling the truth through 
your lens and your perspective and um when you try to make art that is exactly what you think everyone else wants it falls flat um, so in thinking about art telling the truth have you have you ever taken photos um have you ever taken photos at weddings that tell too much of the truth for the client like they're like oh i did not need that that there was tension between the, the the mom and dad who are who are divorced like yeah we, we don't want a print of that one like does that happen often where you're like man this is a great shot like this is this tells the story of the wedding and they're like we don't want to know that story it happens sometimes um and with photography you know i'm also curating curating their experience you know and their memories and so I think that comes back to having the connection with my client and knowing what's valuable to them. And if I know that something might cause pain, I might not include it, you know? And, it, and to me, it comes back to that, like, that connection with them and wanting the best for them. So there have been a few times where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know whether they would want this or not. But usually I go case by case with my client if I know that they're gonna like the silly photo of them on the dance floor where they're not they like have five chins and they're laughing hysterically <laughs> like some of my clients are gonna want those and some right. of them aren't and right. so um it's a little bit case by case too it's really interesting I have I, I've thought about it a little bit but now I'm talking with you I have a, a couple good friends who um one who is moving specifically into f uh, wedding photography and others just you know knowing photographer like fellow like friends who are photographers from graduate school and undergraduate school. So I've talked about it a lot, but like in talking with you, it's like, I still, Wendy and I got married almost 24 years ago. And like, we still talk about our wedding photographer. Like, I mean, he was such a nice guy. He was very, the way he handled it, the photos he took, like we, it's such an intimate part of our wedding was not just the pictures, right? Those are, those are, those are the documentation. Those are, those are ephemera from a day that we all spent together celebrating getting married. Um, but like the, that person who created that stuff, like we, we never got pictures printed. And then I think that my mother-in-law, maybe 18 years later, went to his studio and he's like, yeah. And he just pulled the file and printed them like 18 years later. Like yeah. what? Like, I mean, that's, come on. I mean, I'm sure we paid him the appropriate fee at the appropriate time, but like that's above and beyond is to be able to just like pull my file from 18 years ago. Like he could have easily been like, man, we moved and I'm sorry. Like, you know, like I have a 10 year policy, but like 18 years later, he's just like, yeah, I'll print those. Uh, and yeah. and uh, so anyway, it's just, it is interesting how much a part of your wedding experience is connected to the artist that you hire and you hear terrible stories and you hear wonderful stories and it is a, it is a, it is a part of, it is to me way more important than who officiated my wedding. Yeah. I think people don't always realize that of how personal it is and how much, um, you know, I'm, this is not to sound too woo woo, but I really believe in like people's energy affecting you and like who you have around changes how you are at a certain time on a certain day. And so it, it, it plays into how you experience your day way more than you would think. Um, well, from how someone deals with, with a, something 
how someone treats your family, how someone, what they bring out in you, do they like reduce your stress or add to your stress, you know, like all of those things play a part. Well, I just realized now too, like in thinking about being directed at the wedding by him and realizing that I'm now like kind of looking back and realize like, of course I trusted him. This guy's been at more weddings than anybody that who was at the wedding. Like even the people who are pros and had been at a lot of weddings had only been there seeing people get married. They hadn't yeah. been like telling the bride's groom, like, Hey, you need to be here and tell them that like, and so it's interesting, like that you become a mentor to these often young people. I know that other people get married, but you're, you're, you know, you're often telling people that for their first time, like calming those nerves. And so I know that that, that, that experience was pretty interesting. So we've talked a lot about for you, how it's about relationships. And so kind of thinking about moving into your business. So how do you teach that stuff? Like how do you convince and encourage artists, photographers, people who are doing and making creative things? Like how do you, how do you talk to them about empathy and vulnerability and, and, and then convince them like you should pay me for this and it's also going to pay off for you? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I the kind of one of the things I teach people as they're creating their own businesses is a lot of times you're you're selling what people want, but you're giving them what they need. And so, like I'm, I have a program that coaches entrepreneurs on how to build their business, how to make more money, how to have more fun. Um, I help people get really great results, and what they what they need, what they experience once they're in one of my programs is really way more transformational than what they signed up for, what they expected when they signed up. Um, so we spend a lot of time working through um, things like empathy and connection and mindset and um, overcoming fears because a lot of, you know, a lot of the things that keep us from succeeding in business or succeeding in art or connecting in relationships really comes back to our own, our own things and our own personal work we need to do. So, um, so I think that is, that's something that I've found helps create longer lasting results for people and more fulfilling, like wholehearted businesses is having that really, um, really intentional inner work as part of, business coaching, which you might not, might not expect, but that's really what has made such a big difference in my life and in the um, men and women that I coach now. So how long have you, how long have you been doing that? How long have you had a coaching business? Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like I started having interns right away. So I was, um, I was a youth director at a pretty large church before I started my photography business. Um, and so as soon as I started, I had interns who wanted to help me and I was mentoring people in photography and, um, and then it became kind of more of a formal thing, uh, probably five years ago where, um, I was leading workshops overseas, um, was doing one-on-one -on -one coaching and some group coaching. Um, and then the last couple of years is when I've really kind of made it into a formal program, um with the masterminds that I run. So I have like a 12 month program that I walk people through um, and they come to grow their business and they leave hopefully a lot, 
um, feeling more connected with themselves and personally transformed. So um, that's the feedback that I get from the group is they didn't expect didn't expect to be doing the level of work that we're doing. So where do those happen? Are those all online or do you have retreats? What do, what do those look like? Yeah. So um, I've had to pivot a lot this year. The mastermind was is for in-person retreats. And then there's also weekly online coaching calls. Um, and there's pre-recorded curriculum lessons and things like that. Um, so we've had to move some of our in-person retreats uh virtually, which um, has worked out, but I'm also excited to be able to meet in person again at some point. Um, so yeah, it's, it's both. It's, it's creating, again, it's back to modeling. It's creating spaces where people can be vulnerable and connected and um, kind of click into group flow together. So they're, they're producing work at a greater rate than you would alone because you're in this um, you're in this space of like supportive encouragement um, and getting more into that like flow state faster. Um, so yeah, so it's it's modeling a lot of the things in addition to teaching that then play out in people's creative business. And I think the people that are attracted to the coaching that I do are already already intuitive kind people who want to make a difference in the world they're not just wanting to make more money or they're not just wanting to be famous like they have they have um, already a heart to help people and that's why they're attracted to my coaching talk a little bit about the breadth of artists that are coming to you is it only photographers no um my mastermind has um photographers videographers musicians um Coaches, therapists, um, diversity and equity coaches, financial coaches, um, a different crafts, craftsmen, um, florists. So it's, um, I think that's a really beautiful thing about it too, is that people bring their experience and growing up in different locations and, and having kind of coming from a bunch of different places, but I think something that is so profound is that a lot of the, a lot of the hard, deep inner work that we all have to do to move from point A to point B is very similar. Um, no matter what your past experience is, it all kind of kind of comes back to this basic, fundamental like fear um, way we were programmed as children. It kind of, it all boils down to something very similar and human, which I think is, um, is like very eye opening in a group like this. Well, for me, that seems so amazing because if, if you can tell me that I can go be around a group of only painters or only sculptors or who, who want to get better in their field, or I can go be around a group of people who are, have a myriad of different specific practices that also want to get better. I'm going to choose that every time because I totally want to hear the insight that a therapist is going to have. That's free extra stuff that I'm like, like I'm not going to get that from a fellow. Like we already like, and of course you would get a lot from being around 12 other sculptors. Like, I don't mean that. I'm just saying that like my experience has been when I've been at trainings with 
everyone's doing the same thing versus trainings where everyone's there for the same reason, but bringing lots of different experiences, a lot, lot of different ages, a lot of different ethnicities, a lot of different religions, a lot of different ideas. Like those are the ones that I remember, right? And that's what the creative capital was so interesting that I did that we had talked about before the, 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 the podcast started was that it was, there were women there who were quilters and wanted to sell more quilts and they wanted to grow the business. And it wasn't about, like you said, it wasn't about making money. They like, it wasn't only about making money. They just wanted to stop working four jobs and just work the one job that they truly cared about. Right. And, and so, but like before that I'm, I'm in graduate school and I'm thinking about artists are it's capital a and craft is lowercase C and like the silliness that is of course ridiculous not just that I'm in a room full of people who want to be creative and tell stories through their hands and through their brains and tell narrative stories and ideas. It was so good for me to be around that. So I think that's really cool that that's, that that's open. Um, and that has to be a big part of why people are getting so much out of it on top of, right? Like, th because then they're like, Oh man, like I get it. Like, she's open to all these other ideas. Like, like the, the whole modeling of it is that you're not like, Hey, I'm a professional photographer. I know how to do it. I've done these weddings. Like this is photographers only. This is how you get good at being a photographer. And it sounds like more you're talking about how do I become better at being creative and own my time more and my relationships more. Well, and it's about, it's about freedom. Like everyone in this group is, is wanting to achieve more freedom for themselves. And to me, freedom isn't just finances, although that's a big piece of it. When you have, when you're, when you're in a place to be able to take care of your family and help other people and pursue things that you're passionate about, that, that opens up a lot of freedom for you, but also it's freedom from anxiety, freedom from, um, fear of what other people think about you, freedom, um, just different choices. There's, there's a lot of layers to it. So I think it's kind of like they come for the financial freedom and stay for the personal freedom. Um, and, uh, and yeah, having a group that's all different, it's, it's a huge asset. You know, the, you yourself are your own greatest asset, but then like the community of people you bring around you, cause I'm sure you've had this experience. And I think what can be hard about communities of artists is a lot of times they tend to be very negative and no one's buying art anymore. No one's paying for photography. No one wants to pay our rates. Um, you know, even right now, like the, the government's not helping small businesses, which like sucks and they should be. And I'm, you know, definitely things should change, but also like the more we kind of focus on the negative, the more we just like, Whoop, keep going that way. And when you have a group that's just like, let's find solutions. Let's encourage each other. How can we give more to our audience? How can we encourage other people in our field? Mm -hmm. Um, as this very like open handed model of running a business and being creative of like, what I have is not a secret and I'm not hoarding my ideas. Um, I teach everything that I know to the people that I teach to, I want them to know everything that I try and that works and that, um, has helped me. And I don't view any of it as competition. Um, and this group doesn't either. So it's not like a me against you or her against her, you know, it's, 
it's like, no, we are rising together. And the more we grow together, the more jobs we can provide to other women, the more jobs we can, you know, the more we can help other people find their own path that's free. So, um, sometimes I get a little bit too, like, broad-minded I'm just like I want to help everyone become an entrepreneur because um there's so many options you can create such a beautiful future for yourself um and so definitely if you ever need someone to help come and teach like I'm very passionate about helping people and especially young women create futures for themselves oh yeah we are we will definitely take you up on figuring out an opportunity to talk with kids in and around uh Columbia and in Murray County. Um, I've been listening a lot now because I have a, a, a commute um, to Marcus Whitney um, and his Creative Power Hour podcast that's all about what you just talked about. It's all about teaching people or like it's encouraging people to become entrepreneurs. Um, and he just invites people on like you to talk about like how they did. And it's really a cool podcast. And, but also he talks about just like in general, like let's, you know, you're not going to become an entrepreneur. He's like, that doesn't mean you can't be entrepreneurial in the way that you think, which is all the stuff that you just said. This crisis has positioned us to figure some things out. And if we get anything from it and it's going to be half, it's going to be half be stuff that we make happen. It's going to be doing what you just talked about in this time. How do I give my audience more? in this time, right? Not, man, if I only could do, I mean, that's done. Like that's, no one's doing this for us, right? Like we are to, you know, loosely paraphrase a Charles Bukowski quote, like we must bring our own light to the darkness. No one's going to do it for us. And so, um, so talk a little bit about, um, like, so why Columbia, right? Like you are teaching workshops around the world. You are, um, you have positioned yourself, um, to have more freedom so you can live where you want, right? Like you could do this in Phoenix, you could do this in Dallas, you could do this in, um, you know, you could do it wherever you wanted to, right? Like, so why, how, how, why and how Columbia? Columbia, but 
being able to move through all of that and um, experience like personal transformation, but also like a really big business transformation in that time is what has encouraged me and like inspired me to help pour back into other people, especially single moms, single women, um, women in general. Um, and so part of the part of the move to Columbia was this move towards more intention, more freedom, um, being able to walk places. Um, right before all of that had happened, I thought we were moving to Paris. I thought we were going to live in France for a while. Um, and I'm I'm lucky to be able to still go back and work there a lot, but I was like, one of the big reasons I wanted to be there was to be able to walk everywhere and like go to cafes down the street and like see people and have a slower pace of life. And there was this like, this moment I had where I'm like, I can do that in America. I just can't be in a big city anymore. Um, and so in a, in a lot of ways, things just kind of fell into place. I found house here that was basically my dream house I never thought that I would find a house like it a little Victorian with a big front porch and um like bought it basically hadn't really even seen it um bought it and moved in and then was going through a lot of these these challenges while kind of like in the middle of that move um so was able to experience walking to the coffee shop with my son every day and making friends that I met on the street and, you know, like creating the community that I have here now just very organically. Um, and that's been so nurturing for my soul, like to be able to say to a friend, hey, do you want to come over and sit on the porch tonight? And people like have the freedom to do that and aren't so busy that you have to plan something with them two weeks in advance, which is like what I was finding in Nashville. I, um, I feel like Columbia is really um, missing this, uh, the tagline, which is Columbia, Tennessee, the Paris you haven't visited yet. <laughs> I mean, I just find like so much charm and so much beauty here. Um, and I don't know. And I, and I love living downtown and just being able to, if I get lonely, I can walk downtown and find people that I know. Um, so, and I think the other thing that's inspiring is to see a lot of people who are artists and are creative and are live here to experience a slower pace of life and more community and more freedom. And, and that's been a really beautiful thing too. So we talked a little bit about this, in um, kind of in the pre-interview, just chatting because we'd not ever talked before. How does Columbia keep that when that feeling of what you just talked about, that pace, when from my perspective, compared to what it was maybe 10, 15 years ago and what I'm hearing 10, 15 years ago, it's exploding. There's lots of artists moving there. Is there a danger in your head that that's going to get too much or is it no nah, it's probably always going to be people looking for a certain type of thing like no one's interested in making columbia into the new east nashville like it's it's going to be columbia it's going to have that it's just going to change a few things here and there do you have a sense of like in your head or you're like oh man it's you know people in nashville are always like oh it's changing it's like i, I like the nashville i moved to not the one i'm living in 
Yeah, I'm, I guess it's hard to hard to say or hard to guess. Um, I I do think because just its distance from a big city, it'll always be a little bit more relaxed. Um, but that's hard to say. I I think that right now what we're experiencing, like there being a pause and a lot of action, and um, it's it's like you kind of have to figure out what is worth keeping in your daily life what was like working what's not and um I mean even though I feel like I already had kind of a slower pace of life it's making me reevaluate some of my my choices too and and how do I want to I don't know I I have I have a lot of of hope that that people will pre you know I don't know find more priorities and and some of the slowness yeah I was reading and have been kind of checking in on your Instagram one, since I found it, and then two, just in preparation for this interview, you spend a fair amount of time um, trying to send that message of saying, hey, here's a moment, and we have choices in this moment, and those choices look like the one you um, said earlier, and when you were talking about the negativity, people aren't going to be able to see it on the podcast, but your head dove down towards, like, I'm, you know, like, oh, nobody buys our, right? Or we have this opportunity to reset, right? And so, and what is that going to look like when you, what did you learn going back into your, um, your daily life where you're not just in your house? Like, what, what do you, what did you get from this experience, right? This forced retreat of inner work that, uh, that we're, we've, um, that, many of us have accepted right and and some people haven't so yeah and I mean that that's not to sound I always have this fear that it comes off sounding like too Pollyanna of like trying to find silver linings and hard things and it's not that because um because obviously this is a very trying time there's a lot of trauma there's a lot of fear um but it does like bring me back to other experiences of grief I've had in my lifetime where you can still grieve and experience the painful side of something and also make a choice of who you're going to be on the other side of it. Um, because grief does have the power to like break you or to heal you. Um, and so that's kind of what I hope to convey is like not a, let's just glaze past this. Like it's not a big deal, but like also there, um, I don't know. I've, I've seen that, that hard things in life can really, um, set you on a course towards more clarity in your personal life. Um, if you choose to walk down that path. (laughs) And I think we'd, we'd kind of alluded to it again in the, in talking before, but that's why you, you know, danger is your middle name, right? Like, can you talk a little bit about how that is? Like, cause I think it, when I first read it, I was like, is danger her middle name? Like, that's fantastic. And then, but then when I follow the website, it's like the school, it's, it's built into the school name as well. And the idea of like, you are clearly 100% in on being open and welcoming and vulnerable and, but then danger is in like, you use it as part of your brand. So can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so part of part of that transformation process for me, and I think people transform lots of times over their lifetime um, if they're open to it. But 
and you know my my married last name is sweeting I'm sweet I was always sweet and like small and like you could walk over Kristen because she would do whatever and she was just nice and so um the when I went through a lot of this stuff I had some friends be like your name shouldn't be sweeting anymore what should it be and like the it became the joke that I should be Kristen Danger and that like what do you what do you change your last name to when you go through a divorce like I don't identify with my maiden name anymore and I'm you know now I have this other name that I've worked to brand for like 12 years you know um so like what do you do and um and so some friends were like you're not Kristen Sweet anymore you're Kristen Danger um, and, and it became kind of the thing that, and I, I might legally change my last name to that. I still haven't yet, but, um, it became kind of the representation of that transformation. I think a lot about, um, the image of like a Phoenix, like, um, bursting into flames to transform into another, another bird, another being. Um, and a lot of times transformation comes at the cusp of something really painful and really hard and something challenging you have to walk through um and so that's been the the danger school the the reason for calling it that is um there is transformation and danger in this process um and and to be you know great at what you do you don't have to lie down and do whatever everyone else wants you to do um there's there's courage there's fire there's uh strength i love that using the word danger as a to play upon all of our inner adventures in film and narrative it's like man no great stories ever happened where a kid didn't sweep aside the like danger sign or go under the caution tape right like you got to move past so I, I love that kind of just nod to narrative storytelling with with your with your school um, you talked about being a teacher in a prior, um, um, as part of your prior experience as a professional, and you're clearly still doing that now. How did that first teacher experience when you were thinking, I am a teacher, I have this information to impart, whereas now it's probably much more like I'm a teacher, but I'm, I'm teaching from something that is not scripted. It's from me. It's from the things that I've learned. How did this, how did the, how did the former like inform the, the latter, the teacher that you are now? Yeah. Uh, so I was a music education major in college. Um, and so did some teaching at that time. Um, I never ended up teaching music out of school. It was always, I, um, it, changed into more of a mentorship role where I worked at this large church for a while. Um, so I feel like things kind of hopped around. Like I've worked with teenagers in, um, in like grief camp settings. I've volunteered as a mentor. I've taught music. I have, um, you know, been, been a youth director. Um, and then, you know, for it to move more into teaching in this capacity it's all very similar like time public speaking really really led into this next thing uh, um I, even my own I'm I'm not really as religious anymore like things have transformed so just like as I've changed teaching has changed too um and so 
now it's just cool to see how I think a lot of times and I remember in my past life being like what if I make the wrong decision what if I major in the wrong thing what if I pursue the wrong career what if I do the wrong you know what if I do it wrong what if I marry the wrong person and like I was so afraid of taking each next step and now like what I tell people all the time is I'm like it's really hard to to direct a car that's not moving like all that matters is that you are moving and you are trying to make the best choices you can now and even like I'm sure you tell your students this but like you're probably going to change the idea of what you want to do for your living like a bunch of times and that's okay and and now to see how like each step of that process really has contributed to making me better at my current job and who knows what's down the line too but just being like very open to whatever pivots and twists and turns come um, cause it's kind of all part of it. My sculpture professor in grad school, Greeley Myatt, on his curric- on his, uh, uh, on anything he passed out to students, right? So on the syllabus, it always said art is a verb. And, um, but also I think like life is a verb, right? Like you have to be living to be coached towards living better, right? You have to be, you have to be doing, you have to be, and it's not, to say just go out there and start sticking your hands in fire so that you can get burned and learn but um but i do think that that is that is a really cool idea of like the car moving like it's got to be moving so that you can otherwise you're never going to get there and yeah making wrong turns is part of road trips right like those are that's part of that kind of adventure um so in like one of the books that somebody recently kind of encouraged me to read, which I did about a year ago, was Jeff Goins' Myth of the Starving Artist. What books, is that part of your, when people are working with you, is that part of something that you do? Is there, are there books that you encourage people to read? Are there books that you, you know, are you thinking about writing a book? Is that somewhere in your, in your brain? Like, so talk a little bit about like things you're reading, but also just like cool novels or books of poetry or things that just kind of feed you as well. mastermind with me is um the big leap by gay hendrix and it's not necessarily a book specifically tailored to artists but um it really changes the way you think about um about kind of self-sabotage the way we get on our own way like what fear does to you um so that's a that's a big one i reread that one a lot um and then, I mean, for inspiration and for art, I love looking back at old photographs, um, old photographs, more editorial kind of things. I like looking at painting and poetry. Um, so it, it's always changing. I, I think I really appreciate looking outside of my own medium for inspiration um, and not necessarily like looking at what every other photographer right now is doing. Yeah, I think that's the, for me, that's always been the lesson of hip hop is that, um, I forget who said it, um, it may have been Q-Tip from Tribe Called Quest, he said hip hop died when it started sampling itself, you know, like for him, he's like, that's when, and, and he didn't mean it was dead, he was just like, the kind of hip hop that you're hearing that's only sampling itself, he's like, like, that's not what, like the whole point of it was to mix together, like just weird things that you would never think about right like um and so 
that's really cool. Do you know about the um, the photo project, or not really photo project, but do you know about the couple that bought an old photo store in Columbia? Yeah. And they, and they have like a million negatives or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, it's been really, really, really cool talking to you. Um, I'm going to take you up on sending us a list um, of artists or musicians or creative people, chefs, whoever it is that you've experienced living in your, um, in, in Columbia. Um, and then we can just, I can add that to the, to the, I think I'm going to probably build a website for this and be able to kind of do some little kind of blog things to be saying like, Hey, you know, follow up. If you've heard Chris, Kristen's, um, podcast, like here's some other things. And, and that way, I just think that way it could be for the audience that I hope comes to it, which we talked about, which is artists living in and around Murray County, um, and people that are moving to, right. So that maybe they aren't moving blindly to Columbia can understand like, wow, like I want to, I want to get, the, I didn't know that other artists are going to be there. I didn't know that I'm going to be stepping into a place where I can bump into people at coffee shops who are going to have similar interests. I'm going to be able to go to the Columbia arts building. I'm going to be able to go to a vegan restaurant. I'm going to be able to go to these places. Um, even though it's going to be a different pace than, um, you know, Chicago or Nashville or any larger municipality. So, um, we'll take you up on that, but just, are there any last words of wisdom that you have or things that have popped into your head that you'd like to tell us about? or you have something you're really passionate about, um, just go for it. Start seeing what happens. Um, approach every thing you do with curiosity, every mistake, every failure. All of those things are just part of the creative process. Um, and, yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. So, so thankful and grateful that you um, came on the show. I'm really, really, really excited about folks that li are living in and around Columbia, um, finding out about you if they don't know about you yet. And the opposite of that is you finding out about those other folks through the podcast and just, um, on the Instagram feed. So thank you for reminding us that art is telling the truth and thank you for telling the truth in your work and also, um, living that truth by like sharing it with other people. I really appreciate it. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Murray County art podcast.